This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. From KMOX Sports. Here's the pitch. A swing and a high fly ball. This could be trouble. It's at the wall. And it's a gunner! Welcome to Sports on a Sunday Morning. America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Well, it's about time we had this guy on the air. Well, he is on the air. He's the radio analyst for the Kansas City Chiefs. He's on every game that we air. The Kansas City Chiefs will be playing, not today, not tomorrow night. They'll be playing some Monday afternoon football. Dane and Hughes, how are you? Welcome to the show. Hey, what's going on? How y'all doing? What's going on, buddy? Uh, the Chiefs have the day off, and they'll be playing tomorrow. Yeah. We certainly look forward to that. We will have that game on KMOX, Kansas City, and Buffalo. How are things going for you in the booth with Mitch Holtis? It's going well so far. I'm not used to having all these Sundays off. I mean, especially so early in the season. We've had a couple of games moved from Thursday night and Saturday. I mean, Sundays to Mondays. So although this is not Monday night football technically, uh, it's a, it's another Sunday off. So I, I'm still getting used to this full weekend off with no college football to call and no pro football yet. But it's going well. Me and Mitch are, are doing uh, well. I think we have a great synergy. We have a lot of energy. And when your team is winning, that helps a lot as well. So I got a lot of pressure on me. They're, they're the defending Super Bowl champs. And, uh, you know, I'm just trying not to be the, the weak link that, it doesn't help for the repeat. <laughs> Dane and Hughes, a, a former Chief himself. They picked him in the draft in 1993, came out of Iowa, played for the Chiefs in the early to mid-90s, and I've worked with you on Missouri Valley Conference telecast. For that matter, I've worked with Mitch Holtis on that as well. Basketball, football, multi-sport broadcaster is Dane and Hughes, but you know this game and this sport very well. What is it uh, like uh, from your perspective I guess during this pandemic and uh, taking us into the minds of those players, I mean, how how are they going about this, Danon, throughout this challenging year? 
Yeah, Tom, you know, you and I have done a lot of Missouri Valley football and basketball for many years, and this is a different animal. This is a different breed, not just in the NFL ranks as far as comparing it to college football or what have you, but now with the pandemic. And I give a lot of credit. I mean, who would have thought uh, just last year, you know, that we would be talking about a bunch of 20-somethings and 30-somethings with a lot of money being restricted in the way that they are in order to be able to play a game and entertain all of us. So I think the discipline that has been displayed by a large majority of the NFL and just pro sports in general for mainly the ability to entertain us. Yeah, they love to play the game. Yes, it's their job. Yes, they make a lot of money. And, yeah, they have some personal uh, stake in the game as well to get, get games in and all that. But there's also the aspect of us fans going through a pandemic, dealing with quarantines and restrictions and so on. And we were, you know, salivating at the opportunity to have professional sports. And these kids, these kids, went out and did the job that was necessary, uh, quarantining themselves, isolating themselves, shutting off friends and family for the sake of being able to put forth football for us. So it's been unique, <laughs> to say the least, uh, but I think it's been really, really fun to do, especially from the booth and some of the restrictions and protocols kind of wear on you just a bit. And the questions from week to week, are you playing on Sunday? Are you playing on Thursday? Are you playing on Monday? Uh, are you shifting around by weeks? All of those logistics to to assume that this NFL season was go, to go along without any hit, hit, hiccups, uh, I think that would have been ignorant. So they've worked it as best as possible, and we've got quality football. Are the Kansas City Chiefs the best team in the National Football League? I think that's a fair question to ask. I think if you went into the season, you would say yes. Uh, they're the Super Bowl champions with that high explosive uh, offense. But they showed a couple of, again, we're dealing with a pandemic, so you never know exactly yeah. what's going on internally. There's a lot There's a lot going on, a lot of shuffling that they've had to do. The win over the Patriots, I just felt like, what I was hearing out of that locker room was, yes, it's a win, but some disappointment. Standards are high. They want to do better. And then they ended up losing the next game to the Raiders. So I guess what I'm asking, Dana, is, and the Bills lost their last game for that matter. So yeah. this is a fascinating matchup to me. Two teams that really need a W here. Two really exciting, promising quarterbacks, too. Absolutely. And to answer your question, do I think the Chiefs are the best team in the NFL? I think they can be the best team on any given game day. And uh, you, you very rarely can say that about any team around the league. No matter who the opponent, no matter where they're going, they can be, they have the ability to be the best team on that day against any opponent. Now, we just added Le'Veon Bell, so that helps us be a better team. But you look back last year, during the Super Bowl run, this Chiefs team lost four games in six weeks in the second and part of the third quarter of the season. Uh, and there were some teams that were down or some people that were down on them and what their abilities were. It's Tom, you've, you've been around sports. It's essential that you're not the best in week four and week five and week six, but you got to be the best in week 16, 17 and through the playoffs. And that's what this team accomplished last year. They hit some bumps in the roads and there were people that were getting down on them when they lost to the Colts and they lost to the Texans at home, which very rarely happens, and uh, went on the road and got 
beat by Tennessee and Derrick Henry rushed for a great day. And everybody wondered, okay, where is this Chiefs team going to be? That was kind of the crossroads. And then they hadn't lost in 331 days uh, from that Tennessee game in week 10 last year. That's kind of what I see with this team is that they're not, they haven't hit their greatness yet, but you can see it. And you can see some of the issues, especially from my vantage point in the, in the booth with Mitch, we can see some of the things that can be correctable. It's not something, you know, it's not a team that is undisciplined. It's not a team that is just erratic. They just have some things that they can tighten up, and I think that's what's encouraging for Chiefs fans. I hope people understand what we're seeing in Patrick Mahomes, what type of a player this is. He is a remarkable talent. He has unbelievable vision. It's some of the little things he does. We see spectacular highlight plays. But there are some just little last-second decisions, little flips of the football, or the way that he turns and fires or makes a decision or runs with the football that just blow me away. I, I just uh, I think he, yeah. is, I, he might be unlike any quarterback I've ever seen. Yeah, it's definitely a treasure, and we haven't had that here in Kansas City. I mean, you guys had, when the Rams were in town, you guys had Kurt Warner did an outstanding job, obviously, in the Hall of Fame for a great reason, in large part because of what he was able to do uh, with the greatest show on turf. Here in Kansas City, we hadn't drafted a first-round quarterback since the early 80s, and we hadn't had that franchise quarterback that we were able to grow with, to see put on that baseball cap on draft day and then carry this organization. And Patrick Mahomes has done it in a phenomenal fashion. And you're right. I mean, he's a student of the game. He's humble. He's exciting on the field. He looks like he's having fun. Uh, There's some quarterbacks out there that are very, uh, you know, stern and boxed in. They might be successful, but, you know, they don't look like they're really having fun. I think people endear themselves to Patrick Mahomes because he looks like a kid on the field just having a good time. And then when you're able to produce in the fashion that he's able to do it with a little bit of flair and then with the weapons around him, uh, I think it just makes for a, a Sunday or a Monday or a Thursday to be really, really entertaining for fans to watch. And it stands all across the country. It's not just those in the Chiefs' kingdom. It's all across the country that people are kind of uh, embracing Patrick Mahomes and his abilities, and he's, he's putting it out there every single game. And, and that's what's been fun to watch. And then to see how guys are elevating their games around him. Uh, but, yeah, it's still a lot of football left, but it's really entertaining at this point. You mentioned Le'Veon Bell. Maybe he'll be good for Bell. You know, Maybe this is a good oh, destination yeah. for him for, for that standpoint, Dana. Oh, yeah. So here, here's the deal, what I see with Le'Veon Bell. Sometimes it could be you and I, you know, we, we've done some, some really good football games and we've done some really bad football games. We've probably worked in different places that we probably would never want to go back to again. Uh, whether it was when we were in high school or college or what have you. The fact remains is one, he was at a great situation that didn't really do him the best in the best fashion as far as respect uh, from his perspective in Pittsburgh. Then he was able to sit out, and then he went to the Jets. And he got a chance to recognize, whoa, I've been at the pinnacle, and now, I've been in the, now I'm in the basement. And I think he'll relish this opportunity to work with somebody that's garnered so much so much respect and regard from players and coaches around the league and Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy. So, yeah, this is kind of that lifeline for Le'Veon Bell to be able to resurrect his, his career and get back on top and work with 
special talent like he had in Pittsburgh with Antonio Brown and Big Ben Roethlisberger and so on. So I think it's a great move for him. I think he'd be crazy not to embrace it and embrace his role as a one-two punch with Clyde Edwards-Alaire and just add another bullet in the chamber for this great offensive powerhouse. So, yeah, it's just going to improve this team, and he's going to fit in well. And when this team hits their stride, blocking up front, protecting Patrick Mahomes, and then the defense comes back and, and, you know, plays like they did in the last eight weeks of the season last year, uh, we're going to see something really, really special. Just a couple things left for Dane and Hughes, the radio analyst for the Chiefs. So they'll be on KMOX tomorrow uh, with an afternoon game at 4 o'clock. Uh, how are things in Kansas City? We like Kansas City. I think for a while there we felt like Kansas City fans didn't like us or something. They, they, they yeah. didn't, didn't like that city over here. We like <laughs> Kansas City. We like going over there. We enjoy eating your barbecue. We love seeing the sights. Yeah. Uh, it's a cool town. Of course, uh, my great friend Bob Kendrick at the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum and all the great baseball history there. But how are things in general? I I, uh, I know, you know, we have some similarities here. You know, we have uh, some some crime problems here at times and, and, mm-hmm. and that, that, that certainly uh, get to us, and I know that that happens in Kansas City. But overall, how just in general is everyone doing there? How are you dealing with the pandemic? And, and uh, what's to come for Kansas City? I think everybody's doing well, and it's getting better. I think it's been a learning process, and I'm sure just like in St. Louis. And and you speak about the barbecue in Kansas City, I'll always take some of that toasted ravioli over from St. Louis as well. So we can can barter. We can meet midway. Maybe in Columbia we can hand off some barbecue for some toasted ravioli. But, but, uh, yeah, I think think people are recognizing – where we are, where we've been, and where we need to go. And I think there's been an embracing, a recognizing. I'm sitting in the parking lot right now. My wife just went into a store. I'm seeing people come out with masks on, and there just seems to be less fighting and bickering about our rights and what we should do in this pandemic and just more of an understanding of, you know, what does it hurt and how can we help each other? Because you never know how your actions – can impact somebody else's. And I think that should be indicative around the country. This is a volatile time that we have, we're in with regards to the upcoming election and all the craziness that's going on. So we're, we're able to be wrapped around sports and talking about sports. we got Big Ten football coming back next week. And, um, you know, there's football around the country and baseball and basketball just getting done. I mean, this is – A very, very unique time. I think there was a couple of days about a month ago or so where we had every major sport playing at the same time on the same day, Uh, hockey as well. So it's very unique, but I think it's something that we can rally around, and I'm hoping people embrace the, the mindset of caring for the next person more than maybe we have in the past. So, yeah, both cities are doing what's necessary. I think it's very well said. Uh, by the way, the former Iowa Hawkeye, Dana Hughes, and uh, I'm excited about Indiana playing some football, too. I'm ready for that Big Ten. But I think that's very well said, you know, and I'll just finish with this, you know, and, and even though we're talking heavily right now about the pandemic again, it should not be ignored, the discussions about racial tension in America in 2020. Right. All of that has been right in, in this year. I just think that, Dana, if, if there's any time that we need to pause sometimes and listen to each other, 
other, really listen to each other and have very challenging and sometimes difficult conversations. Why not now? Why not this year? You know, let's do this. This is the time to be very transparent and and to embrace uh, issues that you may not have ever, ever experienced. And I've been very vocal and Tom, you follow me on social media on Twitter and Facebook, and I challenge people that I know especially, and some people that are disregarding or disrespectful or just ignorant to other people's plights. I mean, you know, there were years, there were times, there were windows of time in this history of this country where women weren't treated fairly. And, uh, you know, there are different things that they have had to go through where we've had to embrace from a male perspective something that we've never experienced, that we would never know of. And we had to listen more. And I think that's the same thing when it comes to race as well. And, and you know, as you, as you can tell in social media and some of the commentary, I've done, I've done speaking engagements with people, Zoom calls, where it's just about having the conversation and at the end hearing a different perspective that whether you're in a rural town that doesn't have many black people and you – basically get your information from what the media puts out to the extent of just being able to say, you know what? I never thought of it that way. I never really understood that perspective. I never heard it, uh, you know, worded in that fashion. Food for thought that you can walk away. Even if you disagree, you can walk away and say, you know what? That's a perspective I never heard of. And I respect that position. It's a very important time in our lives right now, and uh, sports have played a part and always have played a part in bringing people together, and I hope that it continues in that way. Danon Hughes is the radio analyst for the Kansas City Chiefs. He'll be on with our great friend Mitch Holtis tomorrow at 4 o'clock, the Chiefs and the Bills. You can follow him, by the way, speaking of social media, on Twitter at DAHughesGuy83. And uh, he's also he's all over. He's on he's on Instagram. He's on Facebook. He's Dan and Hughes. And I'm so glad we had you on KMOX. It's it's great to hear your voice, my friend. Uh, be well and have a great call tomorrow. You do the same, man. Anytime. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. Great to have him on KMOX Radio. And uh, we will come back with uh, another voice. We'll do it at about 11:30. And that's Kevin Wheeler, the host of Sports Open Line. We're going to get into some baseball, folks. We have a lot to talk about. We'll take a quick break here. We'll give you a quick update on what's happening in sports at this very moment. And then at 11:30, the rest of the way with Kevin Wheeler. I'm Tom Ackerman, Sports on a Sunday morning on KMOX. From KMOX Sports. Here's the pitch. Welcome back to Sports on a Sunday morning. Oh, yeah. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Here's where things stand right now as we get ready for NFL at noon. It'll be the Cleveland Browns and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Odell Beckham Jr. is expected to be in that lineup. They are talking right now about the Browns receiver expected to be available. He had a second consecutive negative COVID-19 test in 24 hours clearing him to rejoin his teammates. He was kept away from the Cleveland facility, didn't practice for two days after feeling ill on Thursday and being sent home. The league has instructed teams to remove anyone showing symptoms similar to COVID-19, even if they are caused by a cold or the flu. The Browns are off to a 4-1 and one start, and they're trying to get their first win in Pittsburgh since 2003, so they definitely want Odell Beckham Jr. By the way, the Steelers are 4-0. and oh. 
I don't know if anyone's noticed that, but they're undefeated. Only four undefeated teams remaining in the, in the league, and the Steelers are one of them. The early games today, Houston and Tennessee, Cincinnati at Indianapolis, Atlanta 0-5 at 1-4 Minnesota, Washington 1-4 at 0-5 New York Giants. Baltimore at Philadelphia, the Ravens are 4-1 to start the year. Philly is 1-3-1. The other noon games, Cleveland at Pittsburgh, Chicago at Carolina, Detroit at Jacksonville, Denver at New England. That one is on. Those teams have both been dealing with COVID-19 issues. The mid-games today, middle of the afternoon, 3.05, Jets at Miami. The big game everyone's going to be watching, I will. Green Bay at Tampa Bay at 3.25. The night game, Rams at Niners. The Monday afternoon game on KMOX is Kansas City at Buffalo. Arizona at Dallas is the Monday night game. And tonight, Joe Buck with the call of the Braves and the Dodgers on Fox that will be some contest right there with everything on the line and the chance to play the Tampa Bay Rays in the World Series. Randy Arozarena's team, the ALCS MVP. Kevin Wheeler is standing by. We will talk about that and much more with him, all things Cardinals, the rest of the way on Sports on a Sunday morning on KMOX. From KMOX Sports, here's the pitch. Welcome back to Sports on a Sunday morning. Oh, yeah. America's Sports Voice, KMOX. All right, Kevin Wheeler, what are we going to do here? I mean, we we are just, uh, we'll get to Kevin Wheeler in just a bit. Uh, James will let us know when he's on the line. Um, but I am, uh, hey, look, I mean, the baseball is, baseball's tough. <laughs> it's tough on you, okay? And the Cardinals, there was a time. When the Cardinals would roll out players left and right, and these teams and fans of teams would be like, who the heck is this guy? Every guy they bring up kills it. Every single player the Cardinals call up kills it. The most latest was Paul DeYoung. I was hearing from Cubs fans, like, of course the Cardinals bring up Paul DeYoung. He's hitting balls out of Wrigley Field. Like, who's this guy? One after the other after the other. But Kevin Wheeler, things have changed. And what we've found is the Cardinals have sent a couple of prospects elsewhere, and they've flourished, and the man who's in the front of that poster is Randy Rosarena. What a night, what a postseason he's had. How are you, Kevin Wheeler? I'm good, man. I'm good. Everything going all right there? Things are going great. It's good to hear you back on KMOX, first of all, Sports Open Line host Monday through Friday. When you left, I I one time, this was not – anything that we did it was it was a decision that was made because you know you were doing some radio during the day wanted to and went yep. to another radio station i remember asking you i don't know if you remember this but i remember asking you we were sitting there i think it was 2013 during the world series and i said aren't you gonna miss this this is a little <laughs> private moment you and i had down in the bush stadium studio it was you we just had an alone moment and i knew you were going to another station i said aren't you gonna miss this and you said yes yes i am yep. and uh and gosh, it's good to have you back, man. I mean, it really is. I appreciate it, man. And you're right. I mean, that's the stuff that I missed. You know, you're right that the when I made the switch originally, you know, my kid was I want to say two and a half years from graduation, and we were doing the whole college thing, and you know, having a little bit more of a regular schedule was kind of a big deal at the time. But I'm going to tell you something right now. I I, I never planned then to say, oh, yeah, I'll just come back and do it again six years down the road, but I'm thrilled that I can, man. I mean, because you're right. Not only did I miss that, I missed 
being around all of you guys. I missed my Camo X family. So good to have all of you guys back in my, uh, in my daily routine. It's great to have you on KMOX. Great to have you on the Cardinals Radio Network. And before you know it, the season will be upon us. Now we're going to start talking about everything that's gone wrong over the last last couple of weeks. Look, the Cardinals made the playoffs, and they navigated through a very difficult thing. COVID-19 ran rampant through this clubhouse, through this uh, office, through everybody. They had, what, 18 people at one point had tested positive for COVID-19. They had a complete shutdown. They were quarantined twice. At one point, they had to drive 41 cars up to Chicago and ended up sweeping a doubleheader. It was unbelievable playing doubleheader. Paul Goldschmidt at one point said there were days we'd wake up and not know who we're playing or who's pitching or anything. So, they, you know, but, but they did it and they made the playoffs. Um, that said, there are some things that this team needs to sort out before we do that. Just your thoughts on what we saw most recently here in this postseason and your evaluation of the Tampa Bay Rays, how they got the job done, and uh, to, and these two teams still standing, the Braves and the Dodgers. Well, I think if you look at all, all, all four of them, they're, they're all a little bit different, right? I mean, the Dodgers are great at player development, so that's something that the Cardinals are good at too, right? I mean, if you look at those two franchises historically, and I mean the last 30, 40, 50 years, they've probably been the two kind of, you know, cornerstone franchises when it comes to developing your own talent. I mean, they, they, they are the franchises that other teams point to. Now the difference with the Dodgers is they also have revenues of 700, 750, $800 million a year because of where they're located, right? I mean, being in LA, you know, brings a, a television deal that's on the local television deal that's unparalleled. Um, you know, in the Braves, you have a market size that's more like the Cardinals but they also had to go through an extended stretch of being bad to get some of the players that they have, right? I mean, you look at all of these prospects, uh, all of the young pitchers, Soroka, who's hurt, and Freed, and Anderson, and obviously Acuna, and the, the young center fielder that's playing now, Pache, Austin Riley, like uh, Dansby Swanson. I mean, they got Dansby Swanson because they had the number one pick in the draft. So the Braves were one of those teams that was bad for a few years and didn't spend on the major league payroll and therefore spent in international free agency and obviously had high draft picks. So it's, again, a little bit different path to where you want to get to this point. Um, you know, Houston was that team, right? They were the team that tanked, so to speak, and now they're the powerhouse that has revenue and has big veteran players and all of that. And it's funny to look at just the different ways that they got here. And then you have the Rays, who have one of the lowest payrolls in baseball almost every year, um, who are amazing defensively who are smart analytically, who have a super deep and diverse pitching staff, and they have a very average offense, right? I mean, they have an offense that was dead average in, the, in, the, in Major League Baseball this year. In fact, if you compare the Cardinals and the Rays offensively, they had almost the exact same batting average, basically the same on-base percentage. The difference is that the Rays had more slug, which is why their offense was in the middle of the pack as opposed to down near the bottom. But they also, as you pointed out, Tom, they didn't play – 53 games in 44 days either. And the, the, the hard part with, with looking at where the playoffs are now and where the Cardinals want to be is, you're, to me anyway, you don't look like you're that far. You know, you're basically two pieces away from being where the Rays are. I mean, if you look at the way the lineups are constructed and the way the rosters are, and I think, you know, that's one of my, you know, one of the most interesting things to me about these playoffs. And by the way, go Rays. Thank God they eliminated the Astros. That oh, my gosh. Thank goodness. Night. 
Yeah, that that's I, I could I don't know if I could have stood any more th- chest thumping from the Astros after all the cheating stuff. No, definitely not. I'm, I'm done. I, I can't I, I can't handle it anymore. And I, I said that right out of the gate today. I'm happy that you said that. But yes, the Rays are a talented group, and of course, they, I mean you can't ignore it. Randy Rosarena is a, is a terrific yeah. talent. It's, not, it's something that we noticed that the Cardinals noticed. Look, I, I will say this before we question what they're doing in terms of these trades and, and evaluation, but they knew that Rosa Arena was a good player, right? I mean, they knew that he was going to be a good player. Uh, you have to trade value for value, and, and as it turns out, uh, right now, if you evaluate this trade for Matthew Libertor and Jose Martinez was also sent to the Rays, the Rays are winners. I mean, the, Rosa Arena is a beast. He's tremendous. He's, he's fun. He's exciting. I love, love, love watching him. Um, I'm, I, I mean, I don't know how you look at the Italian evaluation differently, Kevin, but how do things need to change? Do they need to change, in your opinion, how the Cardinals view their own prospects? Because we know right now that with Randy Rosarena, had he played like that, uh, the, and had the Cardinals played him, we should say, uh, yeah, things yeah. could have been different. Yeah, you know, as far as far as the trade, I mean, the Rays. You're right. The Rays have won 2020. I mean, there's no. They they didn't get anything out of Jose Martinez. Let's be honest. I mean, they ended up not using him very much and sending him to the Cubs. So you know, that part of the deal doesn't really make much difference here. Uh, the Cardinals get a top 60 prospect. I think Libertor was like you know, number 53 or number 57 uh, on MLB.com and prospects. So I mean, long term, we have to weigh this. You know, three, four, five years down the road, what is Randy Rosarena long term? What is Matthew Libertor? And, you know, long-term, you know, that's not even something we can look at right now. But for 2020, I mean, the Rays won the deal. And I think the, the I don't think it's a matter of developing players. I think the Cardinals have developed players. I mean, you know, the, these people that everybody's mad about, they were developed by the Cardinals. <laughs> right? right. The development part is not the issue. It, it may be recognition or it may be also, Tom, a little bit too much devotion to what you currently have. Right. I mean, one of the things that they've been really consistent about, and it's something that I don't always agree with, but sometimes you have, you know, it, it, it has worked out, is that they, they really do buy in and believe and dedicate themselves to the players that they've chosen. Right. I mean, they, they like Harrison Bader. They like Tyler O'Neill. But on the same note, I heard you mention in the beginning before I came out, they, they like Paul DeYoung and they put him in there and they stuck with him. I mean, they're right about some of those things. They're wrong about some of those things. And in this case, what was confusing to a lot of us was, in particular, Tom, last year, and I think this is where all of 2020 comes to a head, is that it's, it's all about what we didn't get to see in 2019. Uh, I think, you know, because the, 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 what, you're right, what the Cardinals overcame this year is ridiculous. Like, the fact that they, they had a winning record. I mean, they had a better record than the, than the Astros did, and while the Astros had injuries, they didn't have to do any of those COVID-related things that the Cardinals did. So, you know, they had a tough run, and I think they would get a lot more sympathy from the fan base on that had this year not looked a lot like 2019 from the offensive standpoint. With the, you know, Then you have the decision to let Ozuna go, which, by the way, I agreed with at the time, so I can't be a hypocrite and, cre- and question it because I didn't think Ozuna was particularly good when he was in St. Louis. I don't think he took care of the shoulder well enough. I don't think he kept himself in good enough shape. And his numbers just didn't didn't indicate that you had to keep him around. But, you know, a lot of time last year when, like, Harrison Bader was struggling, for example, there was like a six-week stretch where he was like 
one of the four or five worst hitters in the game. And meanwhile, Rosarena was destroying AAA. And the question was, why didn't he get a look, right? Why didn't he get a chance to come, play, come up and play for two or three weeks and see what it was? And I think it's all of those things that carry over from 2019 to 2020. And that's kind of the, you know, the, the, the root of the Rosarena frustration on part of the fan base is, is that's what it is. It's not so much what went wrong or what should have been better in 2020. It's that 2019 led into 2020 and may have been a missed opportunity for this year. It's an interesting look at it for sure, and I, I think that you know Dylan Carlson is going to be a good player. I mean, I I, I want you know you have to totally understand that the Cardinals had zero interest in trading Dylan Carlson last year. They had zero interest in trading Nolan Gorman last year. They had zero interest in trading Jack Flaherty before that, and right. I'm going to assume they had zero interest in trading Jordan Hicks also. So yeah. and I just <laughs> named four you know really really good players right there that are going to be good for a long time. I'm assuming Nolan. Gorman's going to be good. I, I I think I'm with very good certainty that the other three are. Uh, it's it's a it's a balancing act. If you looked at if you could dial up the ideal outfield right now for 2021, Kevin, could you do that right now with what the Cardinals have? Probably not. I mean, you know, I, I think we we have a pretty good idea that Fowler's going to get the, a crack to play, right? I mean. You know, he's in the last year of a deal, you know, in two of his four years, of the four years so far, he's been pretty good. One year, he was fantastic. His first year, he was awesome. The second year, when he was terrible, I'm convinced he was hurt the whole year. Um, You don't just forget how to hit overnight and all of a sudden can't perform anymore. Um, But these last couple of years, he's bounced back. And the only time he struggled in 2020 was after he spent that time on the injured list um, with that illness that he was dealing with, the uh, the, uh, stomach illness that he was dealing with. So, He's probably in a pretty good spot unless he struggles in the spring or struggles early. Carlson's got to play, and I think we saw that at the end of the year. And then the question is, do you just go with defense? And, and again, Bader's numbers this year are pretty good. The problem is they're heavily weighted towards what he did against left-handed pitching. Um, And that's not a big deal, right? I mean, that's not a problem. I wonder if you can find a complementary piece that hits right-handers that gives you some of the flexibility that we've seen with the Rays. Like, Tom, I think the Rays are kind of like my template for 2021. Is like, how do, how do you do what they've done? How do you find a few pieces to complement what you have and what they already do well? Because you know Bader's a great center fielder, and you know he hits lefties. Um, he doesn't always hit righties, so maybe against tougher righties, you have somebody else that can do that job. And, you know, I'd love to think that Tyler O'Neill can do it, but, boy, that strikeout element is hard to, is hard to deal with. But what we don't know is, like, because we don't have any minor league system – how close is Nolan Gorman? I have no idea. Like, I would love to have seen him at AA Springfield this year. We'd have a pretty good idea of how far away he is if we had that, but we don't know. So, you know, you might have to look at some external solutions. And I, in, in this offseason, who the heck knows what that means? I, I wouldn't hold my breath on George Springer, though. That's No, definitely not. And, you know, if the Cardinals trade Harrison Bader, he's going to become like Mike Trout, right? I mean, (laughs) no. That's what everybody's biggest fear is right now, right? But I I don't think that's a player that I would move personally. I mean, he's super cheap. Exactly. He's He's a a nine hitter. Yeah, exactly. You just need to have a better middle of the order. Yeah, you got to have a better middle of the order. He's a nine hitter. I know that people come down on Bader, but you're you're asking a defensive specialist uh, who to to do something that uh, I'd like to see him hit better, of course. 
but he does have that ability in the field that's undeniable. Gosh, if he could just make more contact, though, he's going to get on yeah. base just by hitting the ball. So well, look, we'll see. Nobody is complaining about Kevin Kiermeyer. And if you look no, at definitely. Kevin Kiermeyer's offense the last three years, he's been worse than Bader. So, you know, again, this is not about the player. It's about really the overall construction of the lineup. And, you know, what really has hurt, Tom, is, you know, the, I think the aging and perhaps some of the physical problems that Matt Carpenter's had. I mean, that decline is really a big part of why the lineup isn't as thick as it, as it needs to be. Do you mind hanging on through the break? Would that be okay? Can we take a quick break? All right, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back. Some more thoughts on the Cardinals with Kevin Wheeler. We're going until noon today. Sports on a Sunday morning on KMOX. From KMOX Sports. Here's the pitch. Welcome back to Sports on a Sunday morning. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Back with Kevin Wheeler on Sports on a Sunday Morning. Tom Ackerman with you. Final segment. We've had a lot of fun talking. It's always good to wrap with some baseball. Dodgers and Braves tonight between those two teams. Let me go back to Marcelo Zuna for just a minute. Uh, What do you think he does? Does he go back to the Braves, Kevin, after his one-year deal, which was, yeah, this is the place to go for one-year deals, I guess. Josh Donaldson (laughs) and now Marcelo Zuna. I don't know. I You know, the the Braves parent company is notoriously kind of stingy um and obviously we all know the big hit that that all of major league baseball took this year with revenue um and they have other options i mean they they do have other players under contract and they do have some younger guys um their lineup would be a lot thinner without him but um i don't know what they're going to do i it would it would it would almost surprise me if they did bring him back um because he he should be able to command a multi-year deal this year with the season that he had um, and I think that that probably puts him in play for teams that are willing to spend a little bit more. But if I'm the Braves, he, he's my priority. I mean, he, he's had the kind of right fit with your team. He worries me, though, Tom. I mean, he, he I don't know why. I mean, it's probably just the general inconsistency of his career because he's been around for a while and he's had two big seasons and every other year has been fine, but not great. I don't. I don't know that I'd want to give him a multi-year deal, but I'd give him, you know, a big fat two-year deal if he if he'd be willing to take that. I'd love to see him back. I I, I really like Marcel. I got along with him personally, and and uh, for John Heyman to tweet, I like John. I mean, I do. I, I I like reading John, but John tweeted that he didn't seem happy in St. Louis. Just not true. I mean, I, I he was no, he, he was definitely here. happy. He wanted to be here. He wanted to be here. I saw him in the clubhouse all the time, hanging with Yachty or Molina. Who doesn't like being Yachty's teammate? They were really, really <laughs> close. And that's going to bring me to this. You think it's painful to see Randy or Rosarena celebrating. I can't even imagine seeing Yachty or Molina in another uniform. I don't even want to even say it. But, Kevin, I think that he's good enough that if he wanted to venture into the free agent market, he could very well do that. And, you know, you've got to make a decision here if you're the Cardinals as to how bad you want to bring him back at the expense of the rest of your lineup too. But there's no question his value from a marketing standpoint, we all know. But this guy can still play and still handle the pitching staff. Yeah, I, I said this the other day on Sports Up Online, Tom. If you view yourself as a pitching and defense team, then you need him, right? I mean, he is the, he is the, the cornerstone of those two things coming together. You know, he, he's obviously a great defender. Um, you know, he's, he obviously helps impact the pitching on a day-in, day-out basis. And I, I think they're going to get it done. I'd be shocked if he plays elsewhere. But if he hits free agency, Tom, I don't think they're going to be a ton of teams. They're going to throw crazy money at him. But there are a couple. I mean, I'd be worried about the Yankees, as an example, who might be ready to move on from Gary Sanchez and who say, hey, 
we don't care about offense. We got offense. We just want this great defensive guy who can guide our pitching staff for the next couple of years. I mean, that's the kind of thing I would worry about is something like that, somebody swooping in like that. So I, I think getting it done would, to me, make all the sense in the world. It brings together exactly what you want your strength to be. You mentioned George Springer's name and why that would be far-fetched because he's going to demand a huge contract. And to be honest, the Cardinals, like a lot of teams, took a hit financially. I mean, they didn't have anybody yep. in the stands. You know, this is not New York. I mean, they just don't have – it's a, it's a, don't, don't get me wrong. DeWitt's and this ownership group is, is a wealthy group. But yeah. uh, they, they are going to watch their money, and it would not be like them to throw gobs of money at a free agent right now. No, I think if, if you're going to do something, it would be more kind of a shorter-term deal. Like, I, I don't – I mean, like, Springer's probably looking at five, six, six, seven, eight years, something like that. I mean, seven or under, but at least five, I'm sure, given his age and his production. And he's a $30 million-a-year player based on what other players have gotten. Um, I think that there are plenty of good players out there, though, that might not have as strong a market in terms of length of contract because that's something that, that's kind of held the Cardinals back. I'd love to see a run at a guy like D.J. LeMahieu who, you know, is, is going to make $20 million a year, maybe more, but he's not going to get it for more than three years. I'd love to see a guy like Michael Brantley, who just got eliminated by the Astros. That is a fantastic hitter. And at 34, he's not going to get a four-year deal. He's going to get a one- or a two-year deal. And, you know, he probably would prefer to be on a contender. So, I mean, there, I think there are good bats out there. I just wouldn't expect, like you're saying, with, with the revenues that were missed out on this year, I don't, I don't see the big $200, $250 million contract. I don't either. So just in general, as we wrap things up here, we got about a minute and a half to go. Uh, what are you seeing for yourself this week on the show? What can you promote for us? You're on from 6.15 to 8 every Monday through Friday, except for tomorrow where we have Monday afternoon yeah. football. The, Roy <laughs> the uh, Royals, the Chiefs, and the Bills tomorrow at 4 o'clock. Yeah, we're definitely going to be hitting uh, baseball hard and the World Series, obviously, but also uh, you know, every single week I've been doing little bits of kind of sneak previews of what we should be looking for for the Cardinals offseason. And we'll continue that pretty much every day, Tuesday through Friday this week, as you said, Monday night football. Well, Monday afternoon football getting in the way tomorrow. Um, and then obviously we're going to be heavy on football too. I mean, you know, especially the college football side of things. And, you know, I think we can do some more Mizzou talk the more they keep playing well. That was a big win last week, and hopefully they'll get to play this coming week. Big win, yeah, exactly. They're shuffling the schedule. Tigers are going to play yep. Kentucky next, and that'll be on October 24th. Looking forward to it, Kevin. Always great uh, talking to you on KMOX. Always uh, a, a treat to be able to chat with you, and I know that uh, we'll have some fun on your show this week. I'm going to talk to Ryan Howard tomorrow, so that I'll, I'll put nice. that on your show also. And we have well, that'll be on Sports uh, Open Line then. <laughs> there you go. We have we have a great history of these local products doing great things. The last one was last night. Pete Fairbanks shutting it down for the yeah, team. Yeah, my guy Pete, the Webster Gross natives. Yep. He's a good dude. He's a former uh, St. Louis gamer. I coached him when he was like 14 years old, and he was still a catcher back then. Oh, wow. We could have done a whole show on that. <laughs> Kevin, thanks for the visit, my friend. Three 14-year-old catcher. I think he made the right call becoming a pitcher. Yeah, now he's a 6'6 closer for the AL champs. Kevin, have a great one. Uh, you too, Tom. There's Kevin Wheeler. I'm Tom Ackerman. Thanks to producer James O'Sullivan. You've been listening to Sports on a Sunday Morning. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.